Reed's Ranch is proud to partner with Marcos Garza and the Garza Law Firm. Unlike Jeremy Pruitt, unlike the Tennessee coaching staff, uh, Marcos Garza and his team do not suck. They are really good. They are East Tennessee's premier DUI defense, criminal defense, and personal injury lawyer. If you find yourself needing legal representation, make the right call. Not the swing pass to Austin Pope on third and three. Uh, not the first half clock management that uh, we had. No, no, make the right call and call Marcos Garza, 865-540-8300, GarzaLaw.com. If you find yourself needing a lawyer, you're going to need the best result possible. They're going to try to get you the best result possible. Not a loss to Georgia State. Long episode. Let's get into it. I mean, this is the last stand. You're listening to The Unfiltered. Well, I hate to say I told you so. There's nothing to be done besides to get on Twitter and tweet to all my dumbass followers. But I told you so. Hey, I told you so. The controversial. He's a dumbass. He can't do math. He's an idiot. He gets his hair cut at Walmart. Look at that shitty haircut. The realest podcast in the Southeast. Let the dogs loose. Let the goons be goons. 11 in a row. 11 in a row. 11 in a row. Enough. <laughs> 38 in a row. As in 38 on this point when we were whipping that ass. Ranch gang, stand up. The holy war is upon us. Welcome to Reed's Ranch, the podcast with Seth Hughes. Like, just quit acting like this is any fun at all. All right, a uh, special Fire Pruitt Volume 1 edition of Reed's Ranch. September 1st, Seth Hughes joins me down in Alabama. What's up, Seth? Not much, John. How you doing? Uh, how am I doing? Uh, pretty shitty still, buddy. Pretty shitty. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I will say, at least I got my new studio set up in my house. Like, I'm sitting here at my new desk. It's a really nice desk. I got this, uh, I made uh, the designer get me a cow rug. So I got a nice cow rug in here to make it feel like home. I didn't anticipate this would be the first thing I ever recorded inside my new studio was a podcast after Tennessee got their complete shit kicked in by Georgia State. But I'm I'm glad you got the I'm glad you got the new studio set up. I didn't know if you were just like exhausted from last night. I guess y'all didn't go nearly as late as y'all have in the past. Uh, we did over four hours, but I, at a certain point, I was like, enough of this dumb shit. Like, uh, yeah, no, I know y'all went four hours. I'm just saying, I, I wasn't gonna stay until one a.m. talking about this dumbass football team. I was mad I had to stay till eleven, but whatever. Either way, um, my my yearly tradition of Talking about shitty Tennessee football, followed by me coming home and unwinding while watching shitty Pac-12 football at 1 a.m. in the morning. Uh, it lives on. Did USC end up winning that game? Yeah, they won by eight. I was kind of hoping Jeff Tedford was going to get the win. I think USC's quarterback tore his ACL. He got, he got his knee fucked up at the end of the first half. I saw that. I saw that. Their, their backup is a true freshman, right? Yeah, and he looks okay, I guess. He looks better than Garantano. Which is crazy, a true freshman. I mean, I don't know how much of the Auburn game you watched. I mean, their true freshman looked like shit, but at least he looked like he knew what he was doing. And he ends up, of course, you know, leading 
the game-winning touchdown drive. So shout out to him for coming in as a true freshman and understanding football better than our fourth-year quarterback who is uh, not very savvy, to say the least. Yeah, I was watching that game with Auburn fans, and they were like, Bo Nix is playing terrible. And I'm like, I just kept telling them, I said, Oregon is leaving so many points on the field, and you're down nine going into halftime. Like, you just – your true freshman hasn't lost the game for you yet. Just ride him out. I mean, you don't have a choice but to ride him out. Like, And lo and behold, Auburn did what Auburn does. And Oregon just left so many points on the field. And I mean, I don't think anybody was surprised by Auburn winning that game late. I certainly was not. Um, but yeah, Bo Nix, like, he knows how to play the game. He looked like a true freshman at times, but then he led a game-winning drive down the field against a top-15 opponent on an, at a neutral site. So... Meanwhile, we have a fourth-year quarterback who uh, got his shit pushed in by Georgia State. God, I'm so mad. Like, I, I know so, I know a lot of people are talking about apathy and not caring. I'm not there. I'm at the – I've been at the stuck of the anger portion. I've just been really angry since that game. Like, I, I'm, I'm mad. Like, everyone that listens to the podcast knows, like, I have gone out of my way to defend Jarek Garantano for like a year now. And um, no more. Like, there's no more defending. He he got a bad. I thought he got a bad rap last year from the fans. Like, I don't know why they. I didn't understand why they didn't like him. And it pains me to say that they were right. Like, it really pains me to say that some of the rednecks that talked shit about Jarrett Garantano for the last oh, year. Tano, fuck him. I'm not saying his name right. Tano or Tano. Like, I'm mad that the fans that are dumb, that are stupid, the ones that, like, hate you, that have also hate Jared Garantano, they were right about them. Like, that makes me mad because they don't know anything. Like, they're dumb, and they were right. Like, he was awful, and there is no defending what he did yesterday. He still, I mean, there are so many plays that we can talk about that where he just looked bad, but what I would really like to focus on is the end of the first half, and the two back-to-back throws, one of the worst interceptions I have ever seen, where he got bailed out. He got bailed out because a guy that wasn't even making the play absolutely molested Marquez Callaway. And then, after he got bailed out, he had a wide-open Josh Palmer in the end zone. And he over like he throws it way too high. I mean, Grant Williams would have struggled to catch that pass. And... That like that was just as bad as the interception. Josh Palmer was wide open. Josh Palmer was so open in the end zone on the interception when the ball was snapped. He just zoned in on Callaway. Like he zones in on his receivers. There was no progressing through checks yesterday. We have a quarterback coach who won a Heisman and people claim is a is a is a rising star in the league in the in in college coaching. And then we have. A the highest paid offensive coordinator in the nation, right? Is anybody higher paid than Jim Chaney, an offensive coordinator? I don't think so. Oh, nobody in the SEC. So yeah, maybe there's somebody we're missing, but 1.5 million dollars. 1.5 million dollars for Jim Chaney and Jared Garantano cannot progress through his reads as in his fourth year as a college quarterback. So the question to me is, how bad is J.T. Shroud and Brian Moore? They must be terrible. We knew they weren't like great prospects coming in. 
I wish we had a great prospect on the bench right now. I would do uh, a lot to make Harrison Bailey a freshman right now, just so we could just like start over. Because that's the worst part is like you don't have uh, someone to switch over to. Th that that would have made this season at least have a silver lining. Because right now it seems like your football season died before the month of September. It's over. The season is over. Like this is not some – it's a lot easier to come back from a loss to a team – that you shouldn't have lost to if they are, say, BYU. It is very, very hard, in my opinion, to come back from this loss. I hope I'm wrong because this loss lingers, and it's going to stick in your mind, and it's going to get to be, what if it's a close game next weekend in the fourth quarter against BYU, and all the players, like, every, in the back of everyone's mind is this team just lost to Georgia State. I mean, it's like Will Warren talked about after Michigan lost to Appalachian State. Yeah, they went 9-3 and three or whatever, 8-4, and four, but the next week they lost to Oregon by, like, 39. We are going to get our shit kicked in by the BYU Cougars. And make no mistake, they suck. They are bad. They are a bad football team, and they are going to embarrass us on ESPN primetime Saturday night. I don't see any other way around it, and I hope I'm wrong, but if I am, who cares? You lost to Georgia State. Like, where do you go from here? I don't. You don't go anywhere. I, I don't know that this is a loss that you can really come back from. Like, name a team that has... I mean, so, okay, LSU lost to Troy. Well, Troy is a good football program. Neil Brown won 10 games every year at Troy. And the next week, you know what LSU turned around and did? They beat Florida in the Swamp. We're not doing that. So, there is no turning around. Like, the teams that have lost games like this, they are much more talented than Tennessee, and it seemed, I don't know, I didn't watch the LSU-Troy game, but yesterday did not seem fluky, right? Georgia State was straight up better than Tennessee. Yeah, no, yesterday, yesterday was not fluky. Uh, yesterday was Tennessee didn't understand how to stop a speed option. It was like I was 14 years old again playing NCAA football and just running a speed option to the left, to the right, against my younger cousins and just beating their ass because they didn't realize how to stop it. That's what yesterday felt like to me. We didn't know how to stop a speed option. We're paying Ansley and Pruitt a combined $5 million. They're supposed to be two of the best defensive minds in the world, in the country, at the college level, and they didn't realize how to stop a simple sprint to the left, pitch it out if they hit you. Sprint to the right, pitch it out if they hit you. They didn't understand how to stop it. They had guys out there playing linebacker who didn't care, like Shan Reed didn't look like he cared. Jeremy Banks didn't look like he understood how to play a college linebacker, which, to his credit, he's not a college linebacker. Uh, why, why should he have known how to play? They kept him at running back the entire spring. Like, like okay, the biggest issue to me, and I meant to say this at the beginning, the biggest issue to me about yesterday is not that Garantano looked all-time bad. It is not that our defensive line is so bad that it is beyond words. It's not that our offensive line sucks. 
It's that nobody on that team cared except Jawan Jennings. That matters more than anything to me. That matters more than anything to me. Like, nobody cared. We knew that the defensive line wasn't going to be good. Are they worse than expected? Yes. Is anybody shocked they're terrible? No. We have DeAndre Johnson coming off the edge. Okay, nobody is stunned the defensive line is bad. What I'm stunned by is that nobody cared whatsoever. Not a single person that played for Tennessee yesterday cared except for Jawan Jennings. Saw some reports of Trey Smith trying to yell at people on the sideline. Like, at least he seemed like he was trying to motivate some people. And, like, he cares because he's risking death to go out there and lose to Georgia State. I should. Trey Smith 100%, 100,000% cares about Tennessee football more than any of us can ever imagine. Um, but the coaches certainly didn't seem to care. The coaches certainly didn't seem to care. I mean, Pruitt didn't seem extremely bothered by it in the post-game press conference. I mean, even Price and Simonton said that, you know. Um, I just, I mean, like you said, the brain trust for Tennessee football is on the defensive side, and the two guys are almost making $5 million a year, and we could not even line up right. We could not even line up correctly. And that is not on Henry Toa Toa. That is not on him. That is on the coaching staff. The coaching staff knew that the guy making the calls is a true freshman. And I bet that Henry Toa Toa didn't even make that many bad calls. Like, that, the, the, the fact that we couldn't get lined up right is on the coaching staff. I mean, Warrior said that they knew every play that Georgia State was going to run, but they didn't execute. Execute, And then Daryl Taylor said that they had no idea what Georgia State was running. And I'm inclined to believe that um, Daryl Taylor is correct. We all better hope that our players had no idea what Georgia State was going to run because if they did know what Georgia State was going to run and they were still able to run through us like that, then the only team we will beat is the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga. This connection is brutal right now. I can barely hear you. I mean, I, I think it's going to sound good on the recording because you're recording from your thing or whatever, but uh, that maybe this is the downfall of – are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, I was going to say, maybe this is the downfall of being in my studio. I got to get like a uh, Wi-Fi extender. Or yeah, something. you've been breaking out from me. You've been breaking up from me too. I've had trouble hearing yeah. you sometimes. Okay, yeah. Well. And what's the fucking point? Why should I go out of my way to care about this, talking about this football team? You know what I mean? We, we could talk through the, the buffering and the connection. It's still more effort than the, t the team put in yesterday, and it seems kind of perfect. And like I said, the audio should be fine because we're both just recording from our computer. Um, there's a lot of things that really frustrated me, and I said it last night on the postgame show. The slotting on second and six in the first – you know, the first half, the second quarter, uh, to me, that just changed the outlook of that game. You're up 14-7 to with the ball, and next thing you knew, it was tied. I just, 
uh, why slide? Like it's just such a pussy, nonchalant, don't care about this team move. And that's what the entire team kind of looked like. That's what the coaching staff looked like. That they were just going through the motions against Georgia State, like like Tennessee is good enough to go against them, go through the motions against anybody. Yeah, I mean, so the, it was what third and what when Garantano when Garantano sl- slid. It was second and six. He slid on third and one, and then they tried a quarterback sneak and got stuck, and then Pruitt. Uh, flopped his pussy out and went out there and punted against Georgia State, which really sends a which really sends a message to the team that they are going to be busy, bigger and more physical and stronger. It shows a lot of confidence to go ahead and punt that ball and then uh, give up the tying touchdown almost you know immediately. And then right after that was the Nigel Warrior phantom pass interference, right? I won't even call it phantom. It was. Uh, he got there a little bit early. I, I don't know. Like it, you could call it either way. I, I won't call it phantom. There was something there. Okay. Yeah. So, do you think it was a good call? I mean, I don't. I don't know if it was a good call or not. It looked like he got there just a half second too early. Um, to be honest, Seth, the way that uh, you know he's played football the last couple of years, it was probably pass interference. It was probably pass interference. Like I mean, I don't think he I don't think he deserves the benefit of the doubt. Like I don't think anybody on our team deserves the benefit of the doubt from the officials or from anybody. No, that's true. I mean, that's 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 true for sure. Ryan Leaf was complaining about which referee called it or whatever. I don't know. The point is, is that it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter. That's not an excuse. Like the like the bigger issue is that the issue is that we left it up into the into the referee's hands, right? Like Garantano slides short of the first down I mean how do you do that how do you it's third and three and we run an out route to the short side of the field to Austin Pope who comes up short of the first down how do you as your fourth year as the quarterback in the SEC, how do you not understand that at the end of the day, what it comes down to is that you have three plays to get 10 yards, and that is your only goal. Like, if you don't get 10 yards in three plays, you can't get to the end zone. And it's your third play, and you've got three yards to go. And you throw it one and a half yards. I mean, a one and a half yard pass is basically what that was. Immediately. It wasn't like it was a check down, like, hey, I, I tried to go down the field and everyone was covered, so let me see if this guy can make a play. It was, boom, three-step drop, getting it out to my playmaker, Austin Pope. Who, by the way, poor Austin Pope. Like, if you're listening, brother, I'm sorry this has happened to you. I'm sorry you now have a second play on your low-light film. This one wasn't your fault. You never should have been thrown the ball and asked to make a move. Like, if you throw that to, like, Eric Gray out of the flat and, like, hey, Eric, see if you can make somebody miss, it's still not a great play, but at least I could understand it, right? Well, at least you're giving the guy a chance to make the play. Like, Austin Pope's not going to make that play. No. Like, we have Jawan Jennings out there who never gets tackled by the first guy. Like, Jawan Jennings has never been tackled by the first guy. It's, I kept saying that to my dad yesterday during the game. I said, he looks like he runs a 5-5, but he is not going to get tackled by the first guy. I don't know what it is, but he's not in the history of his life has he been tackled by the first dude. When he get, puts on 20 pounds and becomes a, a, an NFL tight end, I'm going to be very happy for him. 
Like, it's not going to work out at receiver for him because, like you said, he did not look very fast out there yesterday. But he knows how to play football. And I hope that he is able to make some money playing football. I do, too. I do, too. At it least makes in me- the XFL. At least in the XFL. Like, give Jawan Jennings a chance because he knows how to play football and he likes playing football, which is still amazing that you could like playing football for the University of Tennessee after five years in this godforsaken program. It just makes me sad to think about what he has gone through from – the Florida game in 2016 to getting hurt against Georgia Tech to open up the season, getting kicked off the team, coming back, not going pro, coming back for this year. And, like, after all that, after all that stuff, there is zero denying the fact that Jawan Jennings loves the University of Tennessee. And like you said, at the end of the day, the only thing that matters about Jawan Jennings and the only thing you can really say about him and I mean this as an extremely high compliment, he knows how to play football. That is just what it is. He knows how to play football. Um, we like Why not get him the ball on third and three? It's like throw it a yard a yard to, behind the line of scrimmage. Just throw it to Juwan Jennings. Give him a chance. Not Austin Pope. Like, what are we doing? Yeah, I mean, Brent, Hub, Brent Hubbs said, you know, like uh, – Hot and not hot was Jawan Jennings. He was targeted eight times and had seven catches for 108 yards. He probably should have been targeted more. Why were we not? I'm serious now. At some point yesterday, they had to realize that the only thing that mattered is winning. And at that point, I don't know when they reached that point. It should have been sometime in the third quarter. But at that point, it should have been the game plan should have shifted to. Um, we have to win, so we're going to throw to Juwan Jennings every pass. And did we really think Georgia State could have stopped Juwan Jennings? Now, they might have intercepted the pass. That's certainly an option because Garantano would have undoubtedly stared down Juwan Jennings. But, like, dude, throw it to Juwan Jennings every play. I mean, It's, it was seriously that simple yesterday. He was targeted eight times. He caught seven passes for over 100 yards. Throw him the damn ball every damn play. Holy shit. We ran the ball five times in the second half. You know who our leading rusher in terms of carries was out of those five? Tim Jordan. No offense to Tim Jordan, okay? No offense to Tim Jordan. He no plays offense. hard. He seems like he cares. He's not an SEC running back, and he might not even be a Sun Belt running back. Like, no offense to him. Like, we really handed the ball off to Tim Jordan more than Eric Gray and Ty I Chandler. Wanna, I don't. Wa- I don't want to keep singling out the players because it is. It is entirely on the coaches. Yeah, it's the dumbass coaches who are making a combined ten million dollars per Will Warren, like. $10 million. Um, you have to realize how to get the players the ball. You have to realize how to put people in position. They did this shit all August. They kept talking, well, we don't know how many offensive linemen we have. We don't know who the starters are. We got 10 guys. And you're jostling them around from the get-go. And that's just no way to play. Like, you treated this game like a scrimmage. You treated this game like a preseason game. Like, you could run out there with a T on your helmet and beat Georgia State, and Sean Elliott, big meathead Sean Elliott was on the sideline. He came to win, and he came to talk shit afterwards. He didn't even act like it was that big of a deal. He said it's the second biggest win for his program after beating Western Kentucky in a bowl game. He said this is the second biggest moment for Georgia State. 
He came in and he kicked our ass while making one-third, 33% of the money that Jim Chaney is making. Not Jeremy Pruitt, Jim Chaney. Jim Chaney makes $1.5 million. Sean Elliott came in there making, I think it was 515000 and coached circles around everybody. Yeah, I mean, Sean Elliott could undoubtedly, would make more at Tennessee as our offensive line coach than he makes as head coach at Georgia State. Like, at least it would be the same amount. Like, he's doing this just because he wants to be a head coach. And he was not surprised that they won at all. And I don't mean to single out the players. It's not their fault. Like, if anything, we, I should have just I know, said. I'm, I'm guilty of it, too. Like, like I said, like, why was Eric Gray not given more? Why didn't he carry the ball more? Why did Ty Chandler not carry the ball in the second half? Like, I understand, like, they're going to say it's his fumbles. He does fumble way too much. I don't understand where this came from. But the thing, it's so frustrating to hear all fall camp that you don't have five guys at offensive line. Okay, I'm sorry, Will Friend and Jim Chaney, that you don't have five guys you like. Eat shit. They are your five guys, and you roll with them. Eat shit, Will Friend. You have five. It's your best five, and you roll with it. I don't give a shit that you don't like them. Nobody's, you're not paid to like your players. Okay, I'm sorry you don't have Leon Lett and Andre Smith. You have what you have, and you roll with them. And we had... Did we eat... Like, was there ever, did we ever have the same offensive line set up in back-to-back drives? Like, I'm not counting the first drive where we fumbled on the second play. But, like, Trey Smith was in at left guard in the first, in the second drive. He didn't start at left guard. Darnell Wright played early. Wanya Morris played, like, at the very beginning, and I never saw him back at left tackle again. I only saw Jameer Johnson. I did, however, see... Wanya Morris at left guard. What in the hell? What in the hell are we doing? We don't have Trey Smith in at left guard towards the end of the game. <laughs> First of all, Leon Lett was a defensive tackle. Oh, my <laughs> bad. My bad. No, I mean, it's, it's fine. It's just, we, we don't have him either. Like, it'd be nice to have Leon Lett. Who is the, who is the really good Cowboys off left tackle for so many years? Uh, if you wouldn't have asked me, I would have told you. Uh, I, I'll think about it in a second. Um, but Leon Lett was a defensive tackle. Okay. Either way, either way. Um, see, I, t- I took those quotes as different, Seth. You took them as them saying they didn't have five. I thought they were going out of their way to say they had eight or ten people. I thought they went out of their way to say they had too many guys that deserved to play. Not that they couldn't find a starting five. It was Larry Allen. Apologies. Larry Allen, yeah. There you it, go. Was Larry, yeah. it was Larry Allen. No, I took it, and I from the way I took it from the quotes, and I took it from reading VolQuest every day, that – they, because like we heard, how many times did we hear this fall that Jim Cheney was working with the offensive line? And they would ask yeah. him about, and they'd be like, well, we don't have any starters. No, they said, we don't have any starters because nobody has come out to practice and said, you are starting me and I'm not losing this job. They talked shit about their own players all fall camp, which I have a real problem with. Like, when you are paid what these guys are paid, you don't get to talk shit about 18 to 22 year olds the only the only people that get shit talked about about them are you because you are making the money like will friend and jim cheney don't get to go out there and complain about their offensive line well, we just have 10 guys nobody separated themselves well that's fine for fall camp but when it's kickoff of the first game you better have five you have to have five and when we're losing and we're trying to drive to take back the lead. You can't shuffle. 
You can't be shuffling. Like, we played all these guys, but did Roman Harrison ever play defensive end yesterday? Did anybody ever see Roman Harrison outside linebacker? I never saw Roman Harrison or Simmons, the JYD, which, you know, I'm not saying neither one of those either one of those guys should have played, but I'm just saying we heard a lot of good things about both those guys. Oh, I, Roman Harrison should have played. I will say that. Roman Harrison should have played. Um, did I, did you see Crouch? No, apparently he didn't play. Apparently uh, they held him out. I saw. I don't know if that's 100% true, but someone in the Discord said that he was held out with a slight knee thing, I think. Okay, so we'll give them the benefit of the doubt on that. But we heard all we heard we heard for the month of August that Roman Harrison was like he had more get up and go than anybody on the team and that he was a Tasmanian devil, I think was how it was described. That when he was out there, he was going to give you one hundred percent and he was just gonna run around like a maniac on third downs. How many sacks did we have yesterday? Two. If I, I mean, two comes off the, the top of my head. One on the Sean Schamberger blitz in the first quarter that was really pretty, and two uh, on the strip sack to keep us only down one point. Okay. Those are the two that stand. Those are the two that stand out to me. So we had two sacks against a two and ten Sun Belt team. Um, at no point it dawned on them that maybe we need to let the Tasmanian Devil loose. That maybe. DeAndre Johnson and Daryl Taylor, like, they just, it's just not their day. Maybe we need to let another guy get some run. I mean, I'm not trying to pick on any players, but Daryl Taylor was preseason All-SEC. And, I mean, he he didn't have a sack. And it, it always seemed like he was a step late. He was a step away. I thought he had a couple good moments of, you know, creating pressure. I just, you know, he obviously just didn't take anybody down. And you guys' ankles broke really bad on a third down that uh, I believe was a scoring drive for Georgia State. Yes, he got absolutely worked on that. And then, I, I mean, I'm trying not to single out players as playing bad, but I didn't think Schamberger played well. And I don't think Warren Burrell played well. No, no, no. Um, you know, we we heard we heard a lot about Warren Burrell, and he uh, was not ready for the uh, the first game. But I I know people were really mad about how bad Burrell looked. I thought Schamberger just as watching the game for whatever reason, I didn't think Schamberger looked good at all. I thought Schamberger looked worse than Burrell. Oh, everyone looks like shit, man. Like even the new guys, like uh, you know. Henry T, Hank T, he looked good in the first quarter, first quarter and a half, and then it looked like he uh, got exposed a little bit. Yeah. Which and that's just got true freshman out there. Like it that's just going to happen. That's just going to happen. Yeah. It just looked like no one knew what to do. And, you know, you have Pruitt after the game talking about teaching guys where to line up. Like, that shit's funny. It's cute. And year one, like everyone's, ha, 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 yeah, Butch Jones' players, they suck. Like, it's year two now, bro. You said you were going to weed everyone out that didn't need to be here. Like, you said that yourself. Do you remember that Pruitt in the Alabama game when you talked about how you guys had guys quitting and how you're going to get it right and how you're going to get your guys in and how this isn't going to work? Well, you don't get to say that anymore in year two. You've had two years in this program. You've been here since, what, December of 2017? If you don't have guys lining up properly, it's because you are a dumbass. 
it's because you don't have just five-star talent at every position like you did at Florida State or Alabama, okay? Like, it's been 20 months, dude. It's been 20 months, and you're paid. Like, you are paid to produce. I mean, it's it's sickening is what it is because, like, again, 20 months. These are your players now. You didn't weed people out. You know, The last three games, look at the last three fucking games, Seth. Missouri kicked our ass. Vanderbilt kicked our ass. Georgia State, make no mistake about it, they kicked our ass. The last three games as head coach of Tennessee, Jeremy Pruitt has been outscored 126 to 60. And he's lucky he got the garbage time touchdown from Jennings. He's lucky Jennings scored with two seconds left. Or else it would have been 126 to what, 53? Almost tripled up? It's not even like the thing is that, like you're paid to produce, buddy, and uh, Tennessee fans aren't even expecting that much out of you. Make no mistake. Oh, yeah, Tennessee beat Georgia State. Tennessee fans aren't expecting much out of you because the vast majority of the fan base was going to be cool with 6-6. Six and six because you were going to get a really good recruiting class. So they're not even asking you to do much. Like, the bar is set so devastatingly low. Like, the bar is literally have a defense that lines up correctly and beats Georgia State. That's That's what the bar was. And you cannot blame players for not being able to line up right. I'm sorry. You cannot do it, dude. Like... There is no way you can believe me that if we had gone out and hired, like, Neil Brown, that we would have lost yesterday. Derek Dooley, you want a black pill? You want to feel really bad? Derek Dooley wins yesterday by double digits. Derek Dooley murders Georgia State. Butch Jones beats Georgia State. That's how bad yesterday was. It was undoubtedly the worst loss in program history. I don't even know anything. Like, to me, Wyoming and Memphis don't even come close. Like, of course we lost to Wyoming after we fired Philip Fulmer, and everyone is devastated. I mean, like, of course we lost to Wyoming after we did that. Like, This was the first game of the season, and one person cared. How do you punt one time and lose? We punted one time and lost. How do you do that? We went to the we uh we had four red zone trips, and we had two touchdowns. We had uh, negative two yards rushing in the second half. We played ten offensive linemen. And at the end of the game, we were running with Jameer Johnson at left tackle, Wanya Morris at left guard. Uh, I don't know if Tatum or Darnell Wright was at right tackle. Um, I'm guessing Locklear was at right guard the majority of the game. I mean, I know that the sack on the cornerback blitz where Garantano was just absolutely murdered, that that was a cornerback blitz, yes, but that happened because Kennedy and Garantano were not on the same page. So the right offensive line package or whatever was not executed according that's how Brent Hub said it said it was an issue in communication between Garantano and Kennedy that they were not on the 
right page. And I know that, that was that was brutal to watch that cornerback just sprinting at our quarterback, knowing that he was getting ready to demolish him and cause a fumble. Like you knew what was coming. You knew he was going to fumble. You knew it. Yeah, I saw another picture that um, I think Jonah posted it, but it was a picture of. Wanya Morris at left guard and Jameer Johnson at left tackle, and Wanya Morris had decided to go and help Kennedy block the nose guard, and Jameer Johnson was way out wide trying to block somebody, and there was a linebacker running straight at Garantano through a lane that an F-150 could have gotten through. I mean, Will Friend needs to be fired. In fact, they all need to be fired every single one of them needs to be fired if this is not a fireable offense then i would be curious as to what is if this is not a fireable offense what is i mean honestly what is john what is a what is a fireable offense of this is it losing to ut chattanooga i want to know how philip fulmer feels right now like, I don't know what went through his mind last night. I imagine he didn't sleep much. And he shouldn't. I mean, he's the one who hired this redneck idiot. So, I mean, like, he, he it's not like he can just cut bait and say, hey, um, we'll get, I'll go get my guy. Buddy, this is your guy. This is your guy. We this did a total, guy. yeah, you did a total reset of the coaching search. And this is what, this is what you decided upon. I mean, and it's been a long time since Philip Fulmer was head coach, but I remember. I remember it took basically acts of Congress to get Philip Fulmer to fire anyone. Okay, like he rolled with Pat Washington as his wide receivers coach and Larry Slade as his defensive backs coach for years and years. Okay, he rolled with Randy Sanders as his offensive coordinator for years and the problem really wasn't even Randy Sanders. Randy Sanders, unfortunately, who has given his life to the University of Tennessee, was just a scapegoat. But the last two guys that Philip Fulmer has hired was Dave, is, are Dave Clawson and Jeremy Pruitt. Now, Dave Clawson has done fine at Wake Forest. He's a, he's a decent coach, but he was terrible at UT. And it's like Will said, like our finalists for the head coaching job were Jeremy Pruitt, Kevin Steele, and Mel Tucker. Kevin Steele was a finalist to get the head coaching job. He won like one game in three years at Baylor. <laughs> like Mel Tucker. Which is, which is, which is more games than, than Jeremy Pruitt had won as a head coach. Yeah. I mean, like Philip Fulmer didn't even go look at Neil Brown. I mean, I'm like, I, like I like Neil Brown. I mean, I know it's a random name to throw out. It's just a name to throw out for, like, just comparison's sake. Like, he didn't look at Neil Brown or Scott Satterfield. He, um, he looked at Jeremy Pruitt, Mel Tucker, and Kevin Steele. He looked at three SEC defensive coordinators to be his head coach. And, I mean, Kevin Steele has a badass defense. Good for Kevin. He's totally rebounding from absolutely having a nervous breakdown because Dana Holgerson put him in the insane asylum in the Orange Bowl a couple years ago. Um, so good for Kevin Steele. Good for Kevin Steele. Um, but 
I would think that Philip Fulmer didn't sleep much, and he, he shouldn't sleep much, but I have no faith in him cutting bait when it's obvious that bait has to be cut. Like, if this team goes 3-9, and nine, which seems very possible. Yeah, I mean, 3-9, and 3-9, and nine, I mean, I mean, after yesterday, you can't feel confident about beating anybody other than UTC. Like, you, you can't, you can't feel confident, like, I don't. I'm curious to see what this spread comes out as when uh, the Tennessee BYU spread is reset because it was minus three prior to BYU looking like dog shit against Utah in the second half on uh, Thursday night. But then Tennessee came out and you know obviously trumped them with how shitty they looked. What do we think the spread's going to be? I, mean, I would is think BYU even coming, is BYU coming in favor because I think it's going to be like a pickle. I would think even, yeah. Okay. And I have zero confidence in Tennessee. I don't, I don't know how you could have any confidence in them. That's what I've, like, I've seen people say that, you know, like, and I'm sure, like, I'm not criticizing any fans for being fans. Like, being fans is supposed to be fun. But, like, there was nothing about yesterday that led me to believe that it was a, that was, it was a fluke and this team is actually a lot better than they showed. There was absolutely zero that – leads me to believe yesterday was a fluke. I am led to believe the actual, like, the total opposite end of that spectrum to where when I look at our schedule, I see one win, and that's the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga. Because nothing about yesterday, like, seemed like, oh, as soon as we get Daniel Batuli back, it's fixed. Um, no. They could have Ray Lewis back, and I don't think it's going to be fixed. Um... I mean, nothing about yesterday, I've said it like five times, and I know you agree, but nothing about yesterday was a fluke. Georgia State was better. They were much better. They were better coached. They played better. They were more prepared. I mean, nothing about it was a fluke. On one hand, it's almost like, it's almost good we lost and that we didn't sneak out a win where we could just say, well, the only thing that matters is that we won. No, I disagree. I'm not going to say it's a good thing we lost. Um, oh, I mean, but if he absolutely sucks, then, like, at least we now know that he sucks. That's that's fair. We'll, we'll see if he absolutely sucks. And I would like to know, this is what I kept saying about Butch Jones' tenure. Like, I want to know what the line is. Like, where, where do we have to get to to get rid of this guy? Like, where do we have to get to to see, like, hey, it's not worth – parading out this staff for one more year knowing he sucks like year two tells you what you need to know the win expectancy from year one to year two is uh three times higher than in terms of improvement than it is from year two to year three like this is who he's going to be year two is going to let you know and so far you have a a guy that you hoped was defensive rain man you hoped you, you knew he was a dumbass but you hoped hey at least he's a dumbass who knows how to coach defense Turns out he might just be a dumbass. Yeah. I mean, I, I obviously wish we had won yesterday. Like, I don't want anybody to think that I don't. But, like, it sucks being in Knoxville after this loss, man. Like, for me to have to go on the radio and look, I'll be fine in terms of content because I don't rely on Tennessee content. Like, if people want to check out, we'll talk NFL, hell, the NBA uh, preseason. I'll, I'll do any of that shit. I don't, I, don't, I don't have to have Tennessee football to do my job. But in terms of going out and trying to sell advertising and keeping clients happy, and I got, like, watch parties scheduled, imagine me trying to rally people to come hang out and eat dinner 
and drank with us at Elkmont Exchange for the Florida game. Like, imagine me trying to get people with a straight face to come out and hang out with us, to watch us just get absolutely fucking blitzed. Like, it's going to kill business around here. No, I know, I know. Like, at least if you beat Georgia State, you could say, hey, let's let's see, let's see what happens. But now, like, 0-1, staring 0-2 in the face, and yeah, maybe you'll beat Chattanooga, but 1-2 heading into the swamp? Even 2-1 and one heading into the swamp. Like, no one's going to think we're going to win that game. No one's going to want to come hang out and, and watch that. It's brutal. Yeah, I mean, who cares about the Florida game now? Like you said, 2-1. and one. Who gives a shit about the Florida game? They're going to get embarrassed. They, like, Felipe Franks is going to embarrass... We couldn't tackle Georgia State's quarterback. Like, And look, say whatever you want about Felipe Franks. I'll tell you something Felipe Franks doesn't do. He doesn't slide without getting the first down. I watched that Miami game, and he was trying to run people over. Like, yeah, he threw that really shitty interception at the end of the game that should have lost him the game, but at least Felipe Franks wants to lower his shoulder and pick up first downs. You know what I mean? Like, the guy is tough. Like, he's a warrior, and I thought Garantano was tough, but apparently Garantano's in the, in, in the business of making business decisions now. That's so weird to me. That's so weird to me. Like, at what point in the last three years, like, what happened in the last three years to make him think that he was an NFL quarterback? Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's just, uh, hey, I'm going to grad transfer and go play somewhere good for one year. I'm going to go somewhere else after I graduate. But look, look, I got some shit from people because on the radio, like on Friday, I, you know, I, I was talking nine and three. I mean, if you, if you took that seriously, if you're mad at me about that, then, like, I don't know what to tell you. Because like, nobody knew what the fuck this team was going to do, right? Like, no one knew what this team was going to look like. And I just wanted to be optimistic rather than pessimistic. Like, I want to speak things into existence. So I had people commenting all day yesterday. And one guy was like, please note that John Reed never played football before. And he said 9-3. and three. Let's talk about it. And I was like, buddy. I saw that guy. I saw that guy. All I said was, buddy. Eric Ainge, who played football, was on the radio a couple months ago talking about how he's guaranteeing Garantano's going to leave early and get drafted by the third round. Like, he played football. It's like he's saying Garantano's going to be a third-round pick or better. And you see him yesterday, I don't think Garantano's going to be a third-round pick or better. It's not about playing football. It's not about even knowing how to predict what these dumbasses are going to do. You can't do it. You don't know. Like, no one would have thought you'd come out and lose to Georgia State. No one really saw those warning signs there. I mean, the way that I took your 9-3 and three prediction the other day on Twitter, here's how I took it. And this is just me knowing how you think. Was I took it as you saying, hey, if this guy is legit, and if he is the real deal, and if he is the guy, if he is what Kirby is at Georgia... If he is, you know, I mean, not even Saban at Alabama, but, like, if this is the guy that's going to coach Tennessee for 10 years and it's not going to be another three- or four-year experiment, then he goes 9-3 and three. because that's not, that's not that hard. Yeah, it was basically look at the schedule, look what we have to do, go 9-3. and three. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. That's how I took you saying 9-3. and three. Like, 9-3 and three is saying, hey, okay, listen. We're going to lose in the swamp, whatever, and we're going to lose to Georgia and Alabama, obviously, whatever. But um, we're going to beat Missouri, okay? That is not— Who, by the way, got absolutely wrecked by Wyoming after that first quarter. Okay, that's not saying—beating that beating Missouri doesn't take an act of God. 
beating Mississippi State at home. Who looked pretty shitty yesterday against whatever Louisiana school they played, the Raging Cajuns. The La- Lafayette. They go by Louisiana now. It's so annoying. Um, beating Mississippi State at home, not an act of God. Beating South Carolina, who lost to Mac Brown in his first game in however many years, not an act of God. Mac Brown rolled out of the retirement home and came out and dominated that fourth quarter in his first game back. And meanwhile, we can't beat Georgia State. Like, people getting mad at you... Like, that's what, like, being a fan is supposed to be fun, and sadly, the only thing that's fun about being a fan when it comes to UT football is the eight months we don't play. But anybody mad that you said nine and three when you were obviously not serious in what you, like, like, like I said, like, how I took it was you were just saying, if this is the guy, then he wins nine games because it's not that difficult. I did not bet any money on Tennessee's win total over. Like, it wasn't like, I mean, whatever. And most people, I mean, look, I get being frustrated. And to that guy's credit, when I responded to him, he's like, sorry, man, I'm just frustrated. As did another guy. Like, they're just like, sorry, I'm just, I'm drunk, I'm mad, and I'm basically taking that on you. Like, that's fine, I can handle that. Now, every now and then you will get some people who are very serious and think it's just such an indictment, so thinks it's such a shitty thing of me to do. Like, whatever, we're all frustrated. Um, you want to be mad at people, be mad at Pruitt, <laughs> be mad at Fulmer. Like, I, I don't think Mike Leach loses to Georgia State, you know what I mean? Yeah, oh, yeah. No like doubt. Fulmer obviously not. wanted to put his stamp on, and he was hell bent on hiring some coordinator because, hey, he was a position coach who got, you know, who, who made right and got his chance and did all that stuff, and he he won a national championship. So he's trying to find the next Philip Fulmer. His ego's making him do that. He couldn't take somebody coming in that was already established, that especially that John Curry had already hired, that someone else is telling him to hire. He wanted to do things his way, and he came back with a uh, with a defensive coordinator who has always had a talent advantage everywhere he's gone. And by the way, didn't even coach that well at Georgia in twenty you know twenty fifteen twenty sixteen and whenever he was there. Um, always had a talent advantage. Brought him in, gave him his shot, and so far through thirteen games, it looks like a terrible, terrible decision. Yeah, I don't want to hear. Henceforth, I do not want to hear anything about two games. I don't want to hear anything about Auburn. I don't want to hear anything about Kentucky ever again. They do not matter. They are they are totally and completely wiped out by the fact that our last three games have been against Missouri, Vanderbilt, and Georgia State, and we have been outscored 126 to 60. All three of those, all three of those in the state of Tennessee as well. All three of those in the state of Tennessee. I do not want to hear anything about the fact he beat Auburn, and I do not want to hear anything about the fact he beat Kentucky ever again. I mean, since the Auburn game, things have felt off to me. Like, yeah, they beat Kentucky, but, like, Kentucky wasn't that good. I mean, they beat Terry Wilson. Who cares? Um, Like, the South Carolina game, I mean, they totally gave it away. The Alabama game, they obviously just got ass hammered but like everything has felt uh, to me the entire in terms of games like when we're out on the field it's been off since Auburn and I don't have any way to explain that I mean so last year I mean we had that little stretch where we were really playing pretty good with Georgia and Auburn and I don't have I the South Carolina game was just absolutely just I mean 
that South Carolina game is still hard to explain. It gets overshadowed because the last three games are much harder to explain. But the South Carolina loss was hard to explain. We should have won that game easily. You fucking blew that one. You blew that one. You blew a road game against an SEC team that went to a bowl. You can't do that. And that's the thing. Like, I have no doubt. We know that Jim Chaney can call plays. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that we're going to play some team that's much better than UT. And Jim Chaney is going to go out there and call plays. And everything's going to click. And he's going to call plays out of his mind. And it's not going to matter because the team we're playing, whether it's Florida or Georgia, they're going to be so much better than us that we're going to lose. And people are going to say, well, look, the Georgia State game was just a fluke. It doesn't matter. You lost to Georgia State. You have to go and you have to beat Florida. That is the only way. That is it. You have to win the next two weekends, and then you have to go and beat Florida. Uh, And I don't think you win this game. I don't think you win this weekend against BYU. And even if you go 3-1 and and beat Florida, we're all going to be pissed you lost to Georgia State because then you could have been 4-0 and ranked in the top 25. But I mean, obviously, you'll feel like you're you'll feel a hell of a lot better about the program. I understand what you're saying, like that. Yeah, will, I mean, we'll, we'll feel a lot better, but I will be mad as hell that we are not four and zero, top ten with Georgia coming into town, where we should be. We'll be three and one, probably ranked in the late twenties, and all and all anybody will still be thinking about is Georgia State, right? I mean, like I, I don't think that even a win at the swamp totally purifies the air and gets rid of the stench of losing to Georgia State at home. There, uh, There is a 0.801% chance of him achieving redemption. I agree. It's done. It's over. Like, I mean, yeah, there's a path forward for him to achieve redemption, but, I mean, I have a better chance. I have better odds at winning the Powerball. And yesterday felt different. Like, the fans are not inclined to give people the benefit of the doubt as much anymore. Oh, no. That's, that's, the, that's the part I was going to point out, Seth. Like, no one responded to my tweets saying, hey, you're being unfair. Uh, no one called the radio show voluntary reaction saying, hey, guys, it, this takes time. Like, no one was saying that. Everyone is just like, you know what? Fuck this guy. Now, look. Some people will get back on board if they beat BYU. Like, that, that's bound to happen. And I'm not even saying that's a bad thing because, look, alternatively, I would like for this to get back on track. I would, I would, do, uh, I would love to ha- go 6-6 six and six at this point. You know what I mean? Like, I, I know that maybe you're not uh, – maybe you're just prolonging the inevitable at that point. But I'm not at the point where I'm ready for just to burn this down and start rooting for losses is what I'm saying. But no one, no one came out and said, hey, guys – Pruitt's going to get this right. It takes time. Everyone's pretty much like, yeah, yeah, you know what? Fuck this guy. And you saw it in the stadium, man. Like, there were 75,000 people there to start the game. I left at halftime. And you know I live over on the other side of campus. I was driving to the studio, and I got stuck in traffic from the thousands of people leaving the stadium at halftime of a 17-14 to game because they had seen enough. Thousands of people spilled out of that stadium at halftime. Like, they had made the conscious decision of, you know what, I'm going to go to this game. I'm going to suck it up, and I'm going to go sit my ass in the heat and deal with this game. And they got there, watched one half of football, and said, you know what, I've had enough. I'm not taking this anymore. And they left, and the place was a ghost town at the end of the game. And Seth, I don't know what the attendance is going to be like for BYU. I know there's a lot of BYU fans, or at least uh, you know three or 4,000 BYU fans coming. As far as Tennessee goes, 
I don't know how many people are lining up to steal user tickets that they bought. And I don't know how long they're going to stick around if the first half looks like yesterday's game. And then you look at UTC, there's going to be 50 or 60,000 people there tops. And then you're going to go to Florida and you have the chance of getting your ass kicked down in Florida, which means that you're coming back, licking your wounds after a bye week at 1-3 and three against Georgia. And I don't know if you saw what they did to Vanderbilt Stadium yesterday, but they had 85% of people there. They might do the same thing to us. And like at that point, you are at an official... Uh, you know, you're officially a laughingstock. You're officially at rock bottom. And at that point, this might happen in year two in terms of getting fired. Maybe you just look and say, there's no saving this. Like that path is not only there, Seth, it's very, very plausible. It is a path that has been carved out. There are steps there. Hell, they've even put up handrails because it's such a nice little path. Everyone likes going down this trail. It's wide open. It could easily happen. Like, this might get ugly. This might be a, a year and a half, and you're like, okay, there's no saving this. You might have guys, I, I said it last night, but I'll, I'll reiterate it here. You might have your studs. Henry T might look around and say, you know what? Washington seems like a better idea. Uh, Eric, Eric Gray might look and say, you know what? I made a mistake. I got to go somewhere else that isn't going to waste me. You might have your freshmen say, by game four, I'm not playing anymore. Let me keep my red shirt. I'm leaving. Like, that's on, that's on the table, too. And I wouldn't blame anyone for doing it at this point. It should be on the table. Elijah Simmons did not play. I didn't think so. I mean, you know, Volquist guys, in their defense, like, I know everyone thinks that they're a bunch of just homers, and all I will say is that the Volquist staff noted in the preseason in fall camp that practice did not have much energy. And they got absolutely ass-hammered by people for pointing it out. And they were right. Um, I mean, you know, all you have to say about the fans and apathy is just like how many people were in the stadium in the third and fourth quarter. There was nobody there. There was nobody there. Yesterday yesterday does feel completely different. G-Man said it, and um, it was a completely new type of loss. Um, like, my best friend Luke, I mean, he told me, he said, buddy, I sat there, and I watched it until the very final play. I didn't move. He was like, it felt like watching a funeral. And I did, he didn't tell me that until like 10 p.m. last night, and I did the exact same thing. I sat there. And I didn't text anybody, and I just watched the entire thing, and I didn't move. My dad got up, and he went outside and started pressure washing. My mom got up, started cutting shrubs. I sat there, and I watched the entire thing happen, even the onside kick with two seconds left. And it felt totally different than any other than any other loss, anything else that has happened yesterday felt Totally and completely different. It felt like that. The, I, I don't know how you come back from yesterday. The way it felt, I don't know how you come back. Um, I mean, why can you not get your own players excited to play football? They don't like him, man. And he 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 bailed out on the big orange caravan or whatever the hell it was. They made he made the poor guy go out dressed as Smokey to all these places to shake hands and take pictures. 
We got a summer of Smokey instead of the Big Orange Caravan so that Jeremy Pruitt said he could bond with his team and get to know them because they quit on him last year. He pretty much said that. I was like, hey, the guys quit on me because we hadn't ha- we didn't have a relationship. So we're going to take this offseason. We're going to really bond. We're going to play paintball on the field. We're going to go to Dave & Buster's or main event, wherever the hell they went. We're going to go watch movies together. And he came out game one, and the team still looked like they didn't give a fuck. I, I mean, like, you really know how hard it is to make a team dislike you so much they won't even play for you they won't even play like they won't even get excited to go play a game they love like these guys they dislike Jeremy Pruitt so much that they will not even go play a game they love hard I mean like I bet the players hated Butch Jones but they flat out busted their ass against Georgia Tech they fought like hell to win that game. They did. They fought like hell to win in the swamp, and they should have. They played hard as shit for Butch Jones in his last year for a while. I mean, eventually they quit, yeah, because everyone knew it was over. But they played harder in the swamp. They played a million times harder in the swamp when we lost that heartbreaker on the Hail Mary. Than Tennessee did yesterday. They like quit, I said, the only they, they quit in the 2017 season whenever the quarterback change happened. Like, is it that simple? Like, I, I don't want to single this guy out, but I mean, like, it's not he's not really instilling a bunch of confidence in in, in the team. It seems like it seems like you know I, I I truly believe leadership starts at the top, right? Like, your coaches, and then your quarterback. Like, I truly believe that's where you know your team gets its identity from. That's why the quarterback's mm-hmm. the highest paid player. That's why the quarterback gets all the attention, blah, blah, blah. Like, you, you have to have alpha at that position. You have to have an alpha as a head coach. And I don't know if Jeremy Pruitt's an alpha. He's been a sidekick everywhere he's been. You know what I mean? I don't know if Jim Chaney's an alpha. I mean, I, I know he's not an alpha. He is, uh, he's a sidekick. We have a, we have a roster uh, of coaches full of sidekicks. We have no leader. Like, I mean, there's, there's no head coach there. Like, You have no head coaches. They're all sidekicks. And now they're all together trying to run the show, and you just look disorganized. You look like you don't know what the fuck you're doing. And to me, it's because you don't have a head coach there. That that has to matter. Like, it's totally fine that Jim Chaney is a sidekick. Like, John Chavis is a sidekick. John Chavis is a hell of a sidekick. Jim Chaney's been a hell of a sidekick. The thing is that when they were at their best as sidekicks, the guy at the top... Was a damn was a head coach, right? I mean, like, there's nothing wrong with only wanting to be an offensive coordinator. I wouldn't want to deal with the head the bullshit of being a head coach either. But it certainly doesn't look like our head coach wants to deal with it. And I mean, if they don't like Pruitt and they don't like their quarterback, then um, it ain't gonna get much better. And I don't know. I really don't know how you can not open up the quarterback job publicly. At some, I know, I get that you might want to wait until after BYU because you've got two weeks, you have UTC and a bye. I really don't know how you don't open up the quarterback position. I mean, I agree with G-Man. To hell with it. Open it up right now. And if Shroud or Moore is better than run them out there against BYU, what the hell do you have to lose? The thing you have to lose, and look, maybe you're not at the point of caring this, but or caring about this. Maybe it's not important. Uh, but what you have to lose is you find a a freshman quarterback who can actually play a little bit. 
that then all of a sudden Harrison Bailey doesn't want to come and then you lose a bunch of Marietta guys and like the only guys in your recruiting class that matter are all of a sudden gone. Like, I, I, yeah, I, I get that. I get that. Jeremy Pruitt cannot worry. I know. I know. I'm just about like, that right now. I know. I'm just saying like it, they obviously haven't recruited a quarterback that they thought was going to be the guy over the last two years. You know, they've taken projects of maybe we'll find a diamond in the rough and you know, maybe you see if you can. And like you said, you can't worry about that. I'm just saying, I, I'm just saying like, that's what you, I guess you have to lose. Although, you know, whatever, who gives a shit at this point? It's better than a three, it's better than a three win season, right? Like we'd all take, uh, you know, losing out on Harrison Bailey and, and, and those Marietta guys. If we just avoid a three win season. I mean, I, the other thing is that I don't, I mean, Harrison Bailey wasn't scared of Haynes King. Well, we don't know if he was, I mean, Haynes King didn't. He said he. He said he. I know, he, but he like, said he. He said he didn't. But like, we don't know what would happen if Haynes King commits. Yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know how you cannot open up the quarterback position publicly after yesterday. I mean, I really don't know, dude. There were so many throws. We've only talked about three throws. We've only talked about the interception that got overturned, the missed touchdown, and the third and three. He looked awful from the get-go. He made awful throws. I mean, the fumble to Todd Chandler on the swing pass was awful. He threw it about a million miles an hour. Zero touch. The fourth down, whenever you're down 12 or whatever, he threw it eight yards out of bounds. or what, I, don't know, that, that bit, I don't know what point that game uh, in the game was, but he, there was a fourth down on the sideline, like fourth and three or whatever, and he threw it eight yards out of bounds. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, for, I totally forgot about that. Wasn't that like a million-yard pass, too? Yeah, I mean, it just, it just launched it to the fucking moon, as you once said. Yeah, I mean, like, it was fourth and three or whatever, and we throw like a 35-yard pass. But when it's third and three, we throw a one-and-a-half-yard. Um, oh, these guys are clueless, man. Like I said, I don't uh, – like – what did, what did they do all August? They look like they didn't practice. I will say there were reports in August about how shitty the team looked, you know, even going against air, right? Like how bad Garantano looked against air. Yeah, there were there were air there were days when, you know, they were just running skeleton drills and like you would see like Garantano was just missing dudes and then when he did hit them, the wide receivers were dropping them. I didn't think dropped passes were really an issue. I mean, obviously, if you throw it to Dominique Wood Anderson or Jawan Jennings or Marquez Callaway, and they're, you know, they're going to catch it more times than not. I'm still, like, the Josh Palmer stuff, I'll never understand. Like, he never does anything. But, like, we hear about him every offseason. Every offseason. And it's still, to me, like, there's still no doubt that you throw to Jawan Jennings when when it, like, nothing against Callaway. Callaway's made great plays at UT, but when you have to get seven yards, uh, you there's one guy on the team you throw it to. It's Jawan Jennings. After that, I would probably throw it to, to Dominic Wood Anderson. And now, granted, Josh Palmer would have had a touchdown if Garantano could have made a very easy throw. But he overthrew him by, I think, Will Warren said he overthrew him by 18 inches. It might as well have been 18 yards. I mean, he might as well have hit the Jumbotron in Neyland Stadium as high as he threw that ball. It would have been the same difference. That clock management to end the first half, I'm still mad about. Like, we, what were we doing? We ran two minutes off the clock. We had no urgency. And you got down to the goal line. You had ran the ball pretty well in the first half. You got down to the goal line and didn't have the option to run the ball anymore. Like, 
Yeah, so how did we... So I remember that we weren't doing timeouts, and, like, we were just letting the clock run, and, like, me and my dad, like, we both asked each other, and me and Luke asked each other, too. We were like, what are we doing? And then all of a sudden, I guess we got a long pass to somebody. Jennings broke a long pass, yeah. That's what it was. Jennings broke a long pass, and then it was like, oh, shit, we can score a touchdown. Well, then, like you said, we couldn't run the ball because we were out of time, and Garantano throws that, that interception. It's, the worst, it's one of the worst passes I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, n- n- no, there is zero hyperbole to that. There is zero hyperbole to that. It was inexplicable. It was inexplicably bad. And to top it off, he missed a wide open Josh Palmer in the end zone on the next play. Uh, just complete incompetence all around. No, nothing uh, went well. All right, let me hit these patron reads, and then we'll ask at least a couple questions. We're already like an hour and ten minutes, but that's what happens when you lose to Georgia State. Although I do have uh, my big auction draft coming up at two o'clock, so I need to go here in a bit. But we got a lot of new patron signups and a lot of people up in their pledge. So let's give them a shout out. Uh, new patron, two dollar patron, Daniel Ames. Shout out to Daniel. We love you. Jonas Goldston up says from $2 to $5. Shout out to Jonas. We love you. Hank Allen uh, goes from $10 to $20. Shout out to Hank. We love you, buddy. Ryan Hudson goes from $12 to $15. He's just making up his own tiers. Shout out to Ryan. We love you and we appreciate it. You can make up your own tiers as long as you cut that check, buddy. Do love Ryan. Uh, love everyone. Love Hank, Daniel, Jonas as well, as well as Troy Farmer who went from $5 to $10. Shout out to Troy. We love you, buddy. As well as Will Tucker, who went from $2 to $10. Shout out to Will. We love you. Luke Densmore, $2 to $5. Shout out to Luke. We love you. Lincoln Lakoff, $2 to $5. Shout out to Lincoln. We love you. Trent Bowles, $2 to $5. Shout out to Trent. We love you, too. Justin Cross, $2 to $5. Shout out to Justin. We love you. Jacob Harris, $2 to $5. Shout out to Jacob. We love you. New $10 patron, Moose. Moose Lane. Shout out to my man, Moose Lane. We love you. We appreciate you all. Thank you for helping feed my family. Have you noticed any questions you want to get to? I, I haven't really paid attention to the thread because I've just been really depressed. Um, um, yeah, let me anything, hold on. Let me go your eyes, to the top I guess here. Uh, Sydney tagged us and asked if we can state three positives from yesterday's game. Three positives. Um, Jawan Jennings. Um, we're one, Eric Gray we're looks close, really good. We're one day closer to death. Both literally and of the Tennessee program. So just getting through one day, yeah, that's nice. We're one day closer to fall. Um, Three positives? I mean, like, uh, uh, one positive, okay, would be that the offensive line did not look as shitty as it did last year. Like, I still don't know if they're good or even – Solid, but they didn't look as abysmal as they did last year. Not that it really mattered because apparently our quarterback doesn't need time to throw the ball. He just does. He acts as if he he operates as if he has either a half a second to throw or ten seconds to throw. There's no in between with that guy. He either has a half a second he has to immediately check down, or he has ten seconds and just loses all complete awareness and gets rocked. So the offensive line was not abysmal. That's a positive. Um, maybe we're one day closer to getting Bryce Thompson back. Um, no, I can't think of three positives. I really can't. If you were shown in October 2017 
what the next two years had in store, and you had the power to make the decision, would you have ridden it out with Butch for one more year? So in October of 17, like, so in October of 17, uh, we're riding it out. Does that mean we come out and give him a two-year extension? Does that mean we come out and publicly say it? Because maybe the team wouldn't have quit. You know what I mean? Yeah, let's just say, let's say for the sake of the question, we give him an extension for recruiting sake and for the current team's sake. But the buyout is obviously lowered. I don't know how you say no, honestly, at this point. And I hated Butch Jones yeah, I, more I than anybody. I agree. I agree. Um, I would know, we yeah, have been like, – Maybe you say – maybe you salvage something from 2017. You don't go 4-8. and eight. Uh, Maybe something good happens in 2018. Like, I don't know I don't know how much worse you could have gone than 5-7 and seven in 2018. And then, yeah, like – Butch never lost to Georgia State. You know what I mean? Like, he never lost to a Group 5 team. Now, some of the games look shitty, which is crazy. I mean, I did not expect to be sitting here today, Seth, talking about how I wish Butch Jones was back. But here we are. Here we are. That's brutal. Would we be in a better spot if we had just accepted Greg Schiano? No. No. That's one bridge I won't go down. Butch, I'll give you. I'm not. I'm not conceding anything on Shiano. I think we would be like I would. Yeah, I mean, I would take. I think Butch and Dooley would both be better. Yeah. Uh, no. No on Shiano. Like, um, imagine the apathy right now in fan base. You know, in the fan base, imagine combining that with just a outspoken jerk like Greg Shiano, who you know maybe helped cover up child molestation and child rape. Imagine, mm-hmm. imagine that. Imagine those articles written if you combine Greg Schiano's personality, the accusations, with also shitty football. And I think we also would have had shitty football. Oh, undoubtedly. The product would have been very shitty. Um, let me see here. Uh, what a shit show. Um... Did we hire a factory worker as a coach? Well, I'm not going to denigrate any man who goes out and works in the factory 40 hours a week so he can put food on the table for his family. Preach it, Seth. Because my dad raised me to be a good man. But... With that being said... With that being said, Jeremy Pruitt does seem that he would fit in working a line shift... A little better than he fits in as head football coach of the University of Tennessee. You could definitely drop Jeremy Pruitt into any factory in Tennessee. And Southeast Tennessee, obviously Alabama. You could drop him there in the factory and no one would bat an eye. He would blend right in. You could have conversations with him. He'd blend right in. He'd be any other guy who loves football that works at a factory. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bob McRib also says we rotated 10 linemen. Can't get over that. I honestly cannot either. I cannot believe that we were trying out new combinations at the end of the game. That that cannot be overstated. Like, the offensive line is a position, it's a unit that needs continuity. Cody McClure said that all week on Talk Sports. You have to have continuity on the offensive line. And these fucking schmohawks came out there and tried to play 10 guys and just rotated guys all willy-nilly. Like, hey, let's try this out. You want to play some left guard? Wadja Morris? Okay, great. 
oh, wait, you don't understand coverages when that happens and you go double-team the nose tackle and let a, 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 a let a guy come straight in at the quarterback because you're, you're, you're not really familiar with left guard? Oh, it's, it, it turns out not everyone can do what Trey Smith did and go from left tackle to left guard and just be uh, awesome at it. Crazy that crazy that can't be expected of a true freshman in his first game. Like, it, that cannot be stated enough how dumb of an idea that was. It just... All again, nobody has better nobody has better insight into the team and coverage of the team than Volquest. It's like it it's now like it is when Fulmer was here. Like they have the best inside info, undeniably. And all they they've been talking so much shit about Jameer Johnson. I mean, Rob Lewis said on the podcast this week for Volquest that he looks like a tight end and that they're mad that like They've been talking about how mad the coaching staff has been at Jameer Johnson because he didn't gain the weight that they asked him to. And that, like, every practice he has to start off in a special spot for people who aren't what they're supposed to be weight-wise. They've been just throwing him under the bus. I mean, just launching him out of a cannon under the bus. And we rolled him out there at left tackle with Wanya Morris at left guard. We put Wanya Morris at left guard. Do what? Nobody expected Wanya Morris to play left guard. If he wasn't playing left tackle, he wasn't going to be playing. I also don't understand the idea of clearing Trey Smith to play and not just locking him down at left guard. Like, if you say it's because he's rusty, well, then I ask, hey, dumbass, why are you telling everyone he's down to 320 pounds and in the best shape of his life? Because freshman year, you said he was 360. Well, guess what he could do freshman year? Play every fucking game and be a mauler and be an All-American. He was second team all SEC as a true freshman. Now you went out and you talked about how great of shape he was in. So don't tell me he wasn't ready to play because you said he was in great shape. You said he was in great shape, Cornbread. No fucking take backs now. Why is he not just plugged in at left guard and playing left guard? Why? Because they, they thought they could ease him into it because they were guaranteed to beat Georgia State. And it's so fucking stupid is what it is. It's stupid. It is. It is. And when... It dawned on them that there was a chance that they could lose that game. And that point should have been in the third quarter. When that point dawned on them, Trey Smith has to play left guard. And you got to decide who your left tackle is. You started Wanya Morris, but then you never put him back there that I saw. But, I mean, like I would like to know how many series... After, and I'm again, I'm not counting the very first series as our first series because we fumbled on the second play. I'm talking the first full series we had. I would love to know some enterprising young patron should look up how many times that unit, that five that played the first full series, how many more times in the game they were out there in the same position, all five together again. I would love to know how many times that happened. Because you went on a 16 play drive and scored a touchdown. And when, you, when Ty Chandler had the long touchdown run, who was at left guard? Trey Smith. And that, that play was to the left side. And I would like to know how many times in the first full drive those five played together again. I would really like to know that. Because it, it, it doesn't seem like it was many. It didn't seem like it was many. It was one of the worst coached games I have ever seen from anyone it was one of the worst games, coaching-wise, I have ever seen. How do we not just stack the box on defense? Like, why are we having two high safeties out there 
worried about the the, the deep passes. Like that guy couldn't throw a deep pass. He had a, he, That's the thing. The guy couldn't throw at all. And like I told Luke at one point in the second half, I said it feels like right now he has 350 yards passing against us, and he had like 120. They popped it up. And he was like nine of 20 for 120 yards. Yeah, it was very weird because I felt like he had many more yards than he than he did. In the did. first half, he had two really nice third down passes. He had the one like down the middle, and then the one touchdown. But like that was pretty. Much how it. annoying! How annoying was that throw down the middle? That was one of the times we actually had great coverage. Shannon Reed, Shannon Reed was all over that dude, and the two safeties were coming, and he dropped it in like an NFL quarterback on third down. Yet we had two high safeties the entire game as we're getting gashed. And as they're running five, six, seven, eight yards a carry, we didn't think, you know what? Let's just put everyone in the box and let's see if this guy can beat us throwing. That has pissed me off. Just realizing that that's the, you know, that's realizing that we did not. <laughs> Buddy, I honestly, I don't think it ever dawned on them. I don't think it ever dawned on them that we were going to lose even in the fourth quarter. Because they never said, this is what I'm saying, like at some point, the only thing that matters is winning because you're paid to win. And at some point, it had to dawn on you as head coach, and it should have dawned on him at halftime. And if it didn't dawn on him at halftime, it should have been the third quarter. That uh, he has to go win this damn game. But it, they never coached like it. It never dawned on them. If it did dawn on them, then they're not very... They, they, they don't wear their emotions on their sleeve, that's for damn sure, because they should have been apoplectic. They should have been having conniptions on the sideline. Jim Chaney should have had an honest-to-goodness heart attack because he's so overweight, he should have had a heart attack over the fact we were losing that game. But nobody was bothered. None of them were bothered. They averaged 4.02 yards per carry. They had 213 rushing yards on 53 carries. They had 100 and 39 passing yards. We somehow had 311 passing yards. We had 311 passing yards. We averaged, um, how many? What did we average here? We averaged three yards a carry. Three inch, three and some change. Thank you for clarifying that Jim Cheney should have a heart attack because he's really overweight. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, like, I would have liked to... Um, no, no one seemed like... I would have no liked one, to have seen no some emotion. seems like they gave a damn. Like, I, I understand your point. Like, none of them seem that they cared at all. We had... We had one turnover. They had two. I'm sorry, we had two turnovers. They had one. We had the fumble. No, they had interception too. So we had, I mean, yeah, we had one punt for 47 yards. We fumbled four times. We had three penalties. We played a, like a surprisingly clean game. We only had three penalties in the first game of the year. That's hard to believe. We played a pretty clean game. Attendance was announced at 85,503. It will be announced it. I mean, I'm sure it was much less than 85k. So I'm thinking like at most you're going to have like 65 or 70 for UTC. Fuck this. All right. Any uh, any last thoughts? You got to go. Last thoughts. I got to go. No, you, no. Love you, buddy. I love you. Bye. Bye.
Cause you're a good 